Welcome to Extraordinary Ability with your host, Candace Ackerman. Every episode celebrates foreign nationals with extraordinary abilities who qualify for O-1, EB-1, and IW visas. Learn how you may qualify, especially if you have been denied other U.S. visas. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on www.visalawpros.com. Now here's the host of Extraordinary Ability, Candace Ackerman. Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of Extraordinary Ability. I am Candace Ackerman, founder and managing attorney of visalawpros.com. And today I am so honored to have the pleasure of having a darling former client who exudes what this podcast is all about because she is genuinely and truly extraordinary, Jillian Abbott. And I'm going to let her say where she's from and what her area of extraordinary ability is. Welcome, Jillian. And tell tell us where you're from and what is your talent. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Candice, for having me. Um, I am from Calgary, Alberta, and I'm currently living in Brooklyn, New York. And my extraordinary abilities is a performing artist. I applied kind of more specifically as a dancer and then kind of got uh, approved for the green card as as an actress, really. So I'll say a performing artist. Great. And one thing that I like to ask clients um, is, who were some of the people that influenced you to pursue the arts? Wow. Okay. Well, people that influenced me to pursue the arts, definitely my first dance teachers. So Miss Wendy White, who is in Calgary, Alberta, and owns a studio called Dance Spectrum Incorporated. Um, So from the time I was three years old to about 15, I was dancing with her. Um, and then I met this teacher, Susan Mensinger, who taught me through high school. Um, so definitely those two women were just massive influences on me. My influence to really like pursue this as a career, I would say, came from some of the older girls at the dance studio. So Megan Lawson is one of them. She's incredible. She's now the choreographer for Madonna, and she's just done so many collaborations with incredible artists. So please look her up. Um, Also Canadian, who's now in the States. Um, And then the other people that I want to shout out to are these um, three amazing women that created a company called Triple Threat Dance Intensive. And I attended those dance conventions in Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto, kind of everywhere I could go in Canada um, from the time I was eight years old. And they were the first Canadian women that I saw as dancers make their way to the States, get on O-1 visas, get on green cards. I learned what a green card was in a ballroom at 10 years old. Um, So I think that, yeah, feels like a really important part of my journey too. And I remember writing about that company and recall some of those names. And that's a good segue into the next question, which gets a little bit on the technical side. To draft an O-1 or a green card case based on extraordinary ability, we have to show that you have in the past, or as to an O-1 at least, that you have in the past and will in the future serve in a lead starring or critical role for a distinguished production or event or on behalf of a distinguished organization. 
So Jillian, tell us a little bit before you came to work with my firm and that I did your green card case, tell us a little bit about some of the large productions that you in which you played a starring role and that you're proud of. And I'm thinking of one in particular that I sidebar asked you to brag about yourself for being in, but take the stage now and tell us what you would like to share for our Facebook Live viewers and everyone who's going to follow this later on. Beautiful. Um, so when I was 17, I booked the Beatles Love Show by Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. And um, it was very significant that I was 17 because they I needed to be 18 to take the job. And the casting director, Krista Monson, at the end of my audition was like, could you actually move to Vegas? Like, you're not even finished high school. You're 17 years old. Like, is this actually a reality? And I was like, I would move in a heartbeat. I would move in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity. Um, and so sure enough, I got the call on Valentine's Day for the Beatles Love Show. And I'll never forget two of my guy friends who were hockey players over at my mom at my house um, on Valentine's Day because we didn't have any dates. So we were hanging out, the three of us. And my mom came down and like told us the news that she had just gotten the phone call from the casting director and she was the one that they asked to speak to because I was a minor. So they couldn't even offer me the contract. They had to offer it to my legal guardian. Um, and I remember my guy friends being like, what, like, what is Cirque du Soleil kind of? And her being like, you guys, it's like she just made the NHL. <laughs> and that analogy remains my favorite because it just shows how Canadian I am. And also um, that it's so significant. It really is so difficult to get into Cirque du Soleil, let alone being the youngest dancer that they had ever hired at that point. Um and so that happened when I was 17. And then I did the contract for a year and I decided I really wanted to go to college. I just wanted that experience. Um, so I went to the Juilliard School in New York. And it was after, it was actually like the week of my graduation at Juilliard. My parents were in town and that was the first time that I met with Candace. Um, was with my parents during that week of graduation. Um, to start speaking about whether we should go the O1 route or the green card route while I was on my, at the time, OPT. Yeah. Wow. And so I guess we decided to shoot the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and just go straight for the top because that's where you already were. We just had to prove it to the USCIS. And I looked up prior to our interview that it was quite a while ago that we worked on this. Um, yes, it was a bit some time ago, but I do like to have the guest share. Can you tell if you even remember, because it was about seven years ago, I think now, mm -hmm. which um, we're not talking about how old that makes either one of us. Uh, <laughs> but if you remember, what was it? What was your experience like working with Visa Law Pros with my firm? You know, was there any nail biting period overall? What was your experience like overall, if you remember? Yeah. So my experience was like, it felt, um, really like family. Like you felt like family from the moment that I met you. And I, I learned about you through my really good friend, Anna Warren Tufekci, who also is a Canadian dancer who did her O one with you. Um, and so I think like 
Lauren is one of my best friends. So her loving you kind of like immediately made me love you. And I immediately just like felt like you were family. And I remember distinctly at Juilliard, we had other lawyers come in and speak to us about the process. And they were all from large firms. And I remember like getting one of their business cards. And I think the feeling was just like, I'm just one of like so many. And I didn't, I didn't trust my unique case with them because it didn't feel like it was going to be personal. Um, and, and that I think was entirely true. Like we, we made my case like so beautiful and so personal. And like, I think my experience of working with you is we really like told my story to these people that, as you say, like don't really understand. <laughs> they're just like, they're trying to be able to easily say yes or no. Um, and yet within that process, like I felt like I actually was understood and I actually like, we really presented all of me. Um, yeah. So that's what I remember the most was just like, it immediately felt like family. I remember getting a pretty mean request for evidence on your case that yeah, had a lot of words and a lot of pages. Um, and I remember working that on that in my pajamas while watching the news from like 10 to 1 in the morning, trying um, to make sure we hit our deadline and that we were cranking out as much as we could to, you know, because with EB1s with extraordinary ability, it's more like submitting a briefcase. An O1 case, it's sort of a a floor to show you're prominent, that would have been a slam dunk for you. But when you shoot the moon, you kind of have to bring a briefcase and, you know, which we did on round one, but they still came back with the request for evidence. And thankfully, we were, we were able to tip it. And if I recall, you were sort of in the middle of waiting to retain on a big case. And when you file a case and you do get a request for evidence, which you never know in advance if you're going to get one or not, but assuming you do, you can only bring evidence that existed prior to the filing of the case. So if I recall, there was very exciting stuff that was happening, which I'll let you share, um, that was coming down the pike as we were responding to this. And because we'd already filed, we could not then include the after the fact, you know, groundbreaking news that we wanted to share with the world. So we had to rely on everything that came prior, which thankfully still worked out. But if you want to share yeah. what I'm talking about, and then some of the projects that you went on to um, star in subsequent to getting your green card, please share with the viewers because it's so exciting. Thank you. You know, it's so interesting. Um, so the project that Candace is talking about is I then went on to play Baby in the National Broadway Tour of Dirty Dancing. Um, and it was during, I, it was either during that tour, we got the request for more evidence, or it might've even been right before I left for the tour. Um, and it was nerve wracking because I was on my employment authorization card and that was the visa upon which I, I needed to be on in order to do this contract. But they, I think we were able to extend the EAD card. So that didn't affect my ability to go on tour. But it's interesting that you're reminding me that that role, that experience wasn't allowed to be part of the case. Because I think in my mind, I'm always like, when we got that request for evidence, it was like, well, yeah, I'm leaving this national Broadway tour. Like, there's your evidence. What more do you need? <laughs> And yeah. one thing I still think about is like if they Googled me, like if they did a re-Google, 
even though we weren't able to apply that to the case, if they did that, so much would have come up at that time that it might have just been enough for them to say yes. And maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but that is, yeah, I always wonder, I guess, about that. So yeah, so I I did that tour for a year and also right prior to that, which I also don't think was part of our case, was I danced at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, I'm not sure if those if those few shows that I did at the Met made it in or not. Yes, actually I did write about that. And what was interesting about that is the language of the statute is they interpret it in a very narrow way. So they say you need to be lead, starring, or critical to a distinguished production. Obviously the Met is distinguished, so that wasn't problematic. But they wanted us to refine why your role was starring because you weren't the lead dancer in that particular role. So then you have to have some creative lawyering coming in, not to toot my own horn, but you do have to show. And and that's what we needed. That's how we characterized it, that the particular scene in which you were in, even though you were part of a group while you were dancing and performing, that particular scene was very pivotal to the narrative of the opera. Yeah, um, they they seem to buy that. Yeah, so, you want to explain, not elaborate a little bit on that? Well, that's so amazing, and like that is such a perfect example of why working with you was exactly what I needed because it was a unique case. Like, I think for all artists, it's a unique case, honestly, because it's it's not us proving that we are extraordinary or in the top ten percent is so gray it is definitely not black and white as it might be a little bit more in some other like the olympics you've won a gold medal like that's clear to prove you know in a different way so yeah that's such a good example of that and i do i do think that it's also totally spot on like those um particularly in prince igor that dance piece of the plavitsian dancers is a huge it's a huge part of that opera. It's one of the most famous pieces of music from that opera. I was in these little pop-out moments. So I could you could definitely say I was a highlighted dancer in that show. Um, but yeah, that's that was just brilliant lawyering on your behalf. So that, that brings to the fore something that I encounter a lot, where people will sort of self, self-sabotage. self They'll say, well, I don't think I qualify, or I don't think I'm extraordinary, or I haven't done any, you know, I'm not in the media, I didn't dance on Broadway, you know, this doesn't apply to me. And I say, well, I'll decide that for you, you know, because it's not really a subjective standard. It's an objective standard for as to the, oh, there's six categories. You have to show that the person can bring evidence in at least three. One is often experts in the field, attest to the fact that you're prominent, what I said before, that you have a will serve in a lead starring or critical role for a distinguished production or event or on behalf of an organization that you're offered an above average wage. These are the O categories. Now, as to the green card, they're more coextensive actually with the O1A category without getting too technical. Um, it's not dispositive that it just if someone's been approved for an O1 that they're necessarily going to then qualify and be approved for EB1 for the green card based on the same criteria for extraordinary abilities. So Yes, each case is a case of first impression. We say that, you know, you have to examine the facts anew. The dates are relevant. What you can bring at the time of filing is relevant. And yeah, that was really interesting how, you know, the timing of you needing to tour across the country. And by the way, my mom saw you in Dallas. Oh, 
plug if my mom is watching right now. Oh, hi, mom. <laughs> Ross saw you live in Dallas, even though I did not see you perform, which is now looking back, maybe you have some video or a link or something that you could send me that I could watch you because I never actually did go to the show. My bad. No. <laughs> I should have. Not sure why. I can't recall now, but my mom did say that she thought you are absolutely amazing and it gave her a lot of like joy and um, feeling of pride that she knew that, you know, the star of the show was like working on her green card case with me and everything. Uh, and so behind the scenes, working some magic for Jillian. Uh, uh, what, are, what are some of the projects that um, you're working on now or that you're, are, are you segueing into other things? Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, th the reason that I'll interrupt myself for a second, the reason that I really like this work is that um, you're interacting with people who are at different stages of their careers and you're always kind of moving the ball forward and watching them grow as a person, as a performer, as an artist. And, you know, they go on to do very different things and, you know, from that platform. So I don't know if you've segued into other things. We haven't been in touch in a while. So share with me and the viewers, what are some of the projects you're working on now? Yeah. So after Dirty Dancing, two big things happened. One was I went on a meditation retreat and pretty quickly fell in love with that practice and pretty quickly was like, oh, this is something I've been really searching for for a long time. So that's one part. And then the other part was like, I loved the acting almost more than the dancing, or I wanted to at least continue growing as an actor after had, having done so much dance training. So I went to Columbia University and did my MFA in acting, and I graduated in 2022. Um, and simultaneously, I did my meditation teacher training right before that. So meditation teaching and specifically teaching young artists like teaching young dancers teaching any sort of performer um has been so so important to me but i think sort of like the the field where i've like really come into is working with young women around body image dancers who actually ironically can have an experience of being so disembodied for most of their careers or their training because from a young age like me they were taught to push through pain or they at least um even if like my teachers were incredible I don't want to say they taught me to to push through pain but I think I was so competitive with myself that and I had such a huge inner critic that I pushed through that pain. I also suffered from an eating disorder that I'm really honest about. Um, and so in working with my young dancers, that's kind of like my most passionate work these days. Um, and then my other side in in going to school for acting, I like am obsessed with the craft of acting. I'm not sure that the the lifestyle of an artist is what I want. I'm, I'm 32 years old and I know I want a family um, and I know I want a home and I know I want these very stable things that I didn't desire before. So I've moved more into the teaching side of acting. Um, this past semester, I taught at Columbia University in the MFA acting program. And I was teaching Actors Body, which is um, this incredible body of work that my teacher, who was a former dancer and actress and meditation teacher, um, created. And it's also based on a few other somatic, which just means body 
practices like Alexander Technique and Feldenkrais. So this body of work, like it is so incredible for actors because it prepares their instruments for the work and it also prepares them to neutralize after the work. But uh, it's also so incredible just for humans in regulating our nervous system, having a practice to become embodied, having a practice that allows our breath to regulate and be as expansive as it can be and is, is meant to be when we're sort of aligned. Um, so all this to say, teaching that work has made me um, more and more just wanting to offer this type of work to, to humans, not just artists. So I've started um, doing mindfulness-based coaching one-on-one with people, and that's been really special. We do some meditation work, some physical movement work or somatic work, um, and then we talk about how it integrates into their lives. So it becomes, that's the coaching component. It's like the practices are then to integrate into our life and they change our lives. Um, so that's that's kind of where my ship is turning. It's it obviously because my whole life has been in the arts. There's a lot of projects in the arts that I'm still touching. Um, however, I am sort of starting to rotate the ship to more health and wellness, to a more stable life so that I can be a mommy and have a family and all those beautiful things too. At, you are such an inspiration. How can people be in touch with you if they're interested in your coaching services? Because yeah. that's, I mean, life in New York is so stressful yeah. that I would imagine that there would be a lot of people who would be interested in working with you. Yeah. How can they contact you if they are interested in that? Yeah. So the best is um, LinkedIn, just sending me a message on LinkedIn sending me a DM on Instagram and then also my email. I'm, I am old school and um, I'm very diligent with my emails and maybe less so with my socials. So my email is just Jillian, G-I-L-L-I-N, Rose, my middle name, R-O-S-E, Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T at gmail.com. And I'm sure that'll be in the show notes too. So, yeah. I am super old school and I just want to, in closing, I'll ask you one more question, but I do, before I ask, want to just say thank you so, so much for your time. It's been too long that we've connected, but in the last seven years, seven's a very special number in the Jewish tradition. It's the amount of time that it took God to create the world. It's the amount of times that a woman rotates around her spouse under the wedding canopy to complete. It stands for completion and a soul kind of like coming full circle, literally. And it's just been really like inspiring to listen to you in this short conversation and to see how far you've come and how poised you are. And um, it's you're one of my all time favorite people Mm -hmm. that I've had the pleasure of working with. And I hope uh, I continue to learn more about how you grow and shine. And I can't wait to get the announcement, the baby announcement, the wedding announcement, hopefully in the right order, not just saying whatever order is supposed that's supposed to happen in. I hope I got the invitations because um, my clients are my friends and my friends are my clients. I do have a very boutique family oriented practice. um, And I love staying in touch with people and seeing, um, you know, being, alerted to their life cycle events and um, learning how they're progressing through the different stages of their lives. And in closing, I guess I just want to ask you if you could 
you know, send a message out to the people who are now graduating from Juilliard, or if they're feeling overwhelmed by the idea of the OWAM process or the green card process, you know, and they're stressed out about it, what, what, what message would you send to all of those people who have the dream of living and working in America, whether they're going to be Broadway performers or not, uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think the very first thing I would say is lean on your community, like lean on people you know who have done it before. Reach out to me if you don't know anybody who's done it before. Um, it's so important, like especially for the O1, I know you need a certain amount of letters from people who can kind of advocate for you. And I think it can be a really scary thing to ask for help or to, to send that email to that choreographer you admire, that teacher you admire, director, whoever it is, um, saying like, will you sign this letter saying that you would hire me? Like, that's a very vulnerable question to ask. And I think I'm just, I was overwhelmed by how many people were willing and ready to say yes to me. And I think that's, that's how most of us are attuned. And especially for those of us that are international and we've been through the process, like we know that that's vulnerable. So, so do it, have the courage, take that leap to reach out to your community. And then also just like, um, I, I, I think I have to bring up like, we can have this grasping mind of like, we need this thing and we'll only be happy when we have this thing. And coming from someone who's like really done the thing, <laughs> there's, there's so much else that leads to like a happy, fulfilled life. So like whatever works out for you, whatever your journey is, there's so many places you can do your art and there's so many places you can use your skill. Um, and I kind of wish someone had also told me that. Like, it doesn't have to look one way just because it has looked that way for a lot of other artists. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. Keep on growing and shining and, you know, inspiring everyone around you. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for being you. And please keep in touch. Thank you, Candice. I'm so grateful for you. And I'll see you in the city for our long-awaited date soon. Need to do lunch, for sure. Yes. On me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye. you. You've been tuning into Extraordinary Ability with your host, Candice Ackerman. Learn how you may qualify for O1, EB1, NIW visas, especially if you have been denied other U.S. visas please visit www.visalawpros.com to contact us and for other episodes. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, questions, and for sharing this show with others.